Good morning again. Don't you just love Christmas time? Yeah, amen. And what a great Christmas Advent we're having this year with the idea of uh, testimonies and the baby dedications. Um, what's remarkable about this is we have 12 different families. Um, actually, we have a couple that, um, a couple of families that because of um, scheduling differences where we're not able to, to dedicate their children now. Um, and by the way, we also have a new baby in the congregation um, born to Nathan and Nikki Snook, little Ezra. What's Ezra's middle name? Kenneth. Ezra Kenneth, born Friday night. So we have another little Tuesday night, Tuesday night. So we have another little snook to run around the church here, joining the family. Yes. So we have lots of lots of families, lots of children. We do have, by the way, one slot that is, avail- that is available next week. So if you are out there, or if a family member that has a child you would like to take part in this Advent series, uh, let me know or let Ben Daly know right after the service. So with that, would you pray with me, please? Father, we behold the wondrous mystery of your son, of a baby in a manger. And all that that means, it's, yeah, we could spend not four weeks, but 40 weeks studying and trying to plumb the depths of what this all means to us. And you've given us uh, four weeks to prepare ourselves to welcome Christ into this world and to look forward to him coming again. And so we pray, Father, that this morning you would help us set the stage in a way that uh, we would understand the mystery that we're talking about in Christ our Lord. So we come to you clothed in the righteousness of God, praying the ministry of your Holy Spirit through your word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Aren't babies great? I mean, babies are wonderful. I love babies. I think you can tell I love babies. But uh, but uh, we we love to have babies around because they mean life, don't they? I mean, there's, there's new life in the church. There's new life in families. It's not just the propagation of the species, but God makes human beings in his image. And their lives, even as they're born, are a great mystery. Um, the mystery of babies is, is remarkable when you think about it. There, there is great joy at birth announcements, Right? And learning that you, you have a family member, whether it's a, a child or a brother or sister, they're expecting. Um, and those announcements have become uh, kind of creative in some ways. Two years ago at Christmas time, we were at our house opening presents, and, and our daughter gave us a present that was made out to mom and dad. And um, we opened it up, and there was this little baby T-shirt in there. And we're going, what is Oh, that's what this means. That was their way of telling us that, that a baby was on the way. And it's, it's wonderful to have those creative ways of uh, letting people know that a, that a baby is coming. Or the gender reveal parties, if you've ever been to them, those can get really wacky and, and really amazing. And, and people can be very creative because there's such joy involved in the announcement of a, of a baby coming into this world there is great joy in the announcement of the birth. 
whether that baby you find out because you're at the hospital or you're in the house where the baby is born or if you get a, a text or a Facebook notification that this, this baby has been born and there is great joy in that, but there is also incredible mystery in all of it. Because once a family, once a, a, a mother finds out that she's expecting a child, even due to all the, the technology, 3D imaging and all sorts of things. You don't know the gender of that child for a while. You don't know the color of their eyes. You don't know how tall they're going to be. You don't know what they're going to do for a living. You don't know who they will marry. You don't know the difficulties that they will go through. It is a, a mystery that is sh- shrouded in wonder. And it's an incredible mystery. Uh, you never know. And I know the, you, many of you mothers, because my wife has told me this, that during those nine months of percolating that baby, you, you often think, you know, what is he going to be like? What will her personality be like? What does her voice sound like? All these mysteries that we look forward to. And this parallels exactly the birth of Christ down to the announcement of Christ. Yeah, we have creative ways of announcing that that you're, uh, someone's going to have a baby. But yeah, I don't think anybody can top the announcement to Mary, right? <laughs> An angel shows up and says, guess what, Mary? Guess what? That's not what he said. But he could have said, I'll give you three guesses. And she went, I don't know. I don't get it. What are you talking about? You're pregnant. Now that blew her away. That was, an, that was a surprise. And that was creative for an angel of the Lord to stand before her and say, you are with child by the Holy Spirit. And the same message to Joseph. He will save his people from his, their sins. He will be called Yeshua. You are carrying the Messiah. How can that be? I've not known a man. By the Holy Spirit. It's a mystery for us to understand the mystery. And then, then when Jesus is born on that mysterious night, in a dark night with stars in, a, in an obscure place, Bethlehem, in an obscure stable, and the baby born and placed in an obscure holding facility, a, a manger wrapped in cloths, mysterious but angels created by god to declare his glory show up and say glory to god in the highest for unto you a child has been born this is the messiah born on that night what incredible mystery and joy is involved in that and when we look back on it, we, we, we know the story. We tell it over and over and over again of this baby born in a manger. But we know the story. They didn't know it and when, at, at the time. Mary and Joseph didn't know what would happen. And the people around did not know. It was all hidden and was all mysterious. And there's still mystery, even though we look back on, on the life of Christ at his birth. that was miraculous and mysterious. And we look at his life as a young man and we look at how he grew up as a carpenter and how he started his ministry and how he taught and how he did miracles and how he was rejected and he suffered and died and rose again. And yet there's more. There's more mystery yet to behold. We don't know it all. That's all that we have so far. 
But there are more gaps that he will fill in because it is all, it is all about the mystery in the manger. And that's what our theme is for this Advent. The mystery in the manger. So with that, I would like you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this is our key text. Our, first, our key text is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But we're going to read verses 6 through 8. We have been through this passage before in our study of 1 Corinthians. But we're going to just kind of delve back in a little bit and orient you to our theme for Advent in this first Sunday, the theme of which is hope. 1 Corinthians 2, we're going to read verses 6 through 9. 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 9. Please, would you stand as we read God's word to give attention to it as we read the word of the Lord, 1 Corinthians 2, beginning in verse 6. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood, for if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, in which have not entered the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. And God's people said, Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So as we begin this morning talking about the mystery in the manger, we're going to look at a couple of aspects about the manger. And the first thing from the verses that we just read, I want us to see this, the wisdom of the manger, the wisdom of the manger, because the wisdom of the manger is what God had planned in the mysterious gospel. We saw in verse six, Paul said, we don't speak wisdom to fools of this earth. We speak wisdom among the mature to believers because you are the ones who understand that. And he has said to the, to the Corinthians, uh, the wisdom of this world is foolishness. But we speak to you a wisdom that you know because you know Christ. And it's a wisdom not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which pre, was predestined before the ages to our glory. God's wisdom is eternal. The wisdom of God is eternal. It is lasting. It is timeless. God's wisdom is predestined before the ages of the earth. This is in contrast to the wisdom of the world. He says that wisdom is passing away. Uh, we have all sorts of wisdom that we that the, the world wants to, to tell us this is what's right, this is what's wrong, this is what's true, this is what's false. You know what? It's not wisdom, it's foolishness, most of it. Christ is the, is the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of this world, as he says, it's just passing away. And you've all known. Um, things that you've heard that were that were trendy or popular or um, uh, things that came up years ago and it was a big thing for a while. And then it passed away. And then something else came up and replaced it and it was a big thing for a while. And then it passed away. And now there are new things, aren't there? Every day, something new. Big, big, big. You've got to get on board with this. 
It's passing away. God's wisdom is timeless. Second of all, God's wisdom is mysterious. We speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The word mystery, is in me, the Greek word means something that was hidden and is now been revealed. And Paul says it was hidden, but it was revealed in the Lord of glory that they crucified. Why was it so mysterious? Why did they not understand it? It was a mystery because the Jews didn't understand the Messiah. They wouldn't understand that, uh, um, that a, the Messiah would be born in, in Bethlehem. They didn't understand when Jesus appeared on the, on the scene. You come from where? Nazareth? Does any good thing come out of Nazareth? They didn't understand he was son of a carpenter. You're son of a what? You're, you, and you're claiming to be the son of God? You're a carpenter? You're just a mere man? Plus, we know about that tenuous relationship between your mother and your father. That word has gotten around. And they could never have understood that this man who claimed to be the son of God had humbled himself as God coming into the world. They didn't understand that. If he'd be born in an obscure place called Bethlehem, in a stable and laid in a manger, he, he, he would be a baby. He, they did not understand, it was mysterious to them, that they would one day reject him. That they would one day crucify him and put him to death. They didn't understand that mystery. They didn't understand that this was the wisdom of God. This was the plan of God. A baby. You know, made no sense to them made no sense that Messiah would suffer and die. The baby in the manger is wisdom inverted because when we think of wisdom in the world, we think of people who have knowledge, people who have power, people who have prestige, they have position, politicians, celebrities, professors, lawyers, doctors, people with money, influencers. That's where wisdom comes from. We even get caught up in it sometimes. But the true wisdom is inverted and it's on a baby in a manger. It's mysterious, but it's timeless. But it is the wisdom of the ages. It is the wisdom of God. The rulers of this age are confounded by the baby because the wisdom of, of, the, of the rulers of this age are the people that, that, that fact check everyone, the people that, that dispense wisdom, the people who tell you because they're billionaires or because they're, they're, they hold office, this is what's true, this is what you should think, this is what you should believe. It's all passing away, all of it. But the wisdom of the baby is mysterious. And it's the topsy-turvy of the principle of the kingdom of God. What's up is down. What is first is last. What is lowly is elevated. God humbles himself to be a man, even to the point of death, even to the point of death on a cross. And to them, it was, that was foolishness. This is the wisdom of God. Because God's wisdom is the gospel. That is the wisdom of God. It is the gospel. And, and Paul talks through in several places in his letters 
The mystery, when he talks about mystery, he's always talking about the mystery of the gospel, that God came into the world, that God died, he he suffered and died to, to be a sacrifice for our sins, and he rose from the dead. It was all mysterious, and no one understood it, that he would he would die for the, the sins, not just of a nation, but the sins of the world, so that Jew and Gentile and all people could come to faith in him. And he opened the door wide to any who would believe. And that is the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age had understood, he said. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And who is the Lord of glory? The baby. The baby is God's wisdom. The baby is the Lord of glory. They didn't understand it. It was mysterious and it was hidden from them. Because God planned it that we would, it would be made known to those who have ears to hear and eyes to see. So the wisdom of the major manger is all of this obscurity and lowliness and humility. It's what God elevates. He lifts up the humble, sets them on high, and we are to follow in that example. But we want to delve more into the mystery aspect of this. The mystery of the manger is our second point here. As we go on to look at verse 9 in 1 Corinthians 2, the mystery of the manger, this mystery that was hidden is now revealed. And we come to our key verse for Advent, which is 1 Corinthians 2, 9, which says this, But just as it is written, things which eye has never seen, and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. He just talked about the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of the wisdom of God. And then he says, we've never seen, we've never heard, we've never even imagined all that God has prepared for those who love him. We have no And we can't even begin to imagine all that he has for us. We've never seen it. We've never heard it. We've never dreamed it up. It's too much for us. It is beyond our wildest imaginings. And yet it is ours because of the baby and the mystery in the manger. This reminds me of Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. This says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think according to the power that works within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Sit down. Wow. We can't even begin to understand. We haven't heard of anything. We haven't seen of anything. We haven't imagined enough. Even the blessings that we have today, we don't even fully understand them, I don't think. We just spent a, a devoted a whole day to, to understanding the blessings that God has given to us. It's called Thanksgiving. And it's a good thing for us to do that because we talk about the things that we're, we're thankful for our children and our family and our parents and our brothers and sisters. We're thankful for our church. We're thankful that we live in a, in a country like this for, for clothing and shelter. We're thankful for our salvation in Christ. But even in all of those things, and don't get me wrong, I, I, we're short-sighted. 
We don't really understand any of those things. We don't really understand them fully. We haven't seen it. We haven't heard it. We haven't imagined all that God has prepared for those who love Him. One of my favorite verses in all of the Bible is in 1 Corinthians, all of chapter, excuse me, Ephesians 1. And one of the things that he says, you hear me say it often, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Do you know what that means? Neither do I. I don't understand it. I've spent decades pondering it, memorizing it, meditating on it, quoting it back to myself. I don't understand it. How can we be given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places and we have them? We have it now. What does that mean? What are they? It's mysterious. It's inconceivable. It's unimaginable. It is incomparable. Not only heaven, but even the, the blessings of this life, we don't even understand how deep and how wonderful they are, all found up in this mysterious little bundle of joy in a manger. That's what he's given to us. Paul, looking back on that, Isaiah was looking forward to the coming of Messiah. And one of the, 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 the key Advent texts is Isaiah 9, verse 2. In Isaiah 9, verse 2, Isaiah says this, and he's talking to a nation that is, that is undergoing the discipline of the Lord, and they are in darkness. He says, the people, God's people, who walk in darkness will see a great light. <gasps> There's hope. There's more. There's something better besides this darkness that they're in. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. There was no light for them at this time. They were in darkness, but they were given hope by Isaiah. Light is so important. Even now, it's the, this is the darkest part of the year. And the, the lights of Christmas are, uh, are, are driven from verses like these. And we put up the lights and, and they bring us this, this comfort and this joy and this sense of solace and uh, um, this peace and this tranquility of celebrating brighting Christmas and seeing lights in the darkness. And it adds to this wonderful mystery of Christmas. And so, when Isaiah wrote this, people were looking forward, and they didn't have much to hope in. And at the time of, Christ, uh, the, time of the, the, the birth of Christ, there was great expectation in the land of Israel, because it was the fullness of time. Because it was the appointed time. And there was a messianic hope in the land at that time. They had been in exile, the nation of Israel had. They had returned to the land. And for many years they had languished and were now under occupation by Roman armies. Where is Messiah? Where is He? Where is our Deliverer? They were looking forward to Him. So Isaiah gives them this further hope, verse 6, is, verse six, 7, and 8. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. Where is the hope? A baby's going to be born. Where is the light? The baby is coming. 
The government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called, here's his name, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. That's, that's easy to understand, right? That's what the baby's called, those, those four things. Is that easy to understand? I find it very mysterious myself. I've read lots of commentaries over the years, and everybody's got a different idea. It's part of the mystery. Because a baby with four names, right? What, how, what is, how does that work? Oh, what a lovely baby. What's his name? Uh, we named him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. What? What he means here is not so much what he's called, but what he does. This tells what Messiah will be and what Messiah will do and what he will achieve. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the dispenser of true wisdom. He is almighty God himself. He is deity. He's eternal father, which don't be confused with the father, son, and the Holy Spirit. It describes his relationship to time, not to the other members of the Trinity. Like he, this is the, he's the, the, the paternal reign of Christ is what he's talking about. And the prince of peace. This child will reign forever and ever. There will be, says in verse 7, no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom. Have we experienced that yet? To establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, Lord Sabaoth, will accomplish this. This child will be born to you and there will be no end to his government. It will be on his shoulders. Talk about a mystery in a manger. What, can it, what does it mean? The recipients in Isaiah's day, they didn't know what he was talking about. What, you, what child? What, is that? what does that mean? Even in the time that Jesus was born, they didn't understand. And yet, biblical history, human history, he, this child, fulfills the to the end of the ages, all the promises of God. We look back, but we're also looking forward, and he's going to fill in the gaps, and there's a lot of mystery ahead for sure. And yet with these promises, God always gives us hope. And hope does not disappoint. Which brings us to our third point, which is the theme of this week, the hope of the manger. The hope of the manger. In 1 Corinthians 2, 9, Paul quotes Isaiah 64, 3. Paul, under the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is free to change things around a little bit. The wording and the significance for its, its intended audience. And this is what Isaiah 64, 3 and 4 say. When you did awesome things which we did not expect... You came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. What is he talking about? Mount Sinai. He's talking about the deliverance of Israel from slavery in Egypt. They didn't expect it. They did not know that God would do such a thing. They wanted to be delivered themselves, but they did not understand how it would happen. God does things we do not expect. 
If you have been a Christian for any amount of time and walked closely with him and prayed and, and you have seen him work, you know sometimes God just blows your socks off and you go, wow, I didn't expect that. I know I don't deserve it, but I certainly didn't expect it. Sometimes on Christmas mornings we open a present and it's like, you know, usually we, we know kind of exactly what we're going to get, right? But once in a while you get that gift and it's like, I did not see this coming. This is over the top. How could you afford this? Why? I just don't believe that you would give this, give this to me. But God does this all the time. God does more than Christmas gifts. And blowing us away, you know, getting an unexpected gift on, on Christmas morning. His blessings and His unexpected blessings to us far outstrip anything that we would ever receive on Christmas morning. More than we've ever seen. More than we've ever heard. More than we've ever dreamed of. So he says in verse 4 of Isaiah 64, from, from days of old, they've not heard. They've not perceived by ear. Nor has the eye seen a God beside you. No one has ever heard. No one has ever seen such an unexpected thing. Of him who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him to wait on the Lord this is synonymous with hoping hope to wait on the Lord means to hope in him he acts on our behalf we place our hope in him the mystery of the manger brings hope hope is not wishful thinking It is the expectation and the patient waiting for what God says He will do. And how do we know that God will be faithful? Look at all that He's done. We stand at this part of of biblical history and we look back at uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Israel and and the the exile of the nations, the kingdom era. And we, we look at Jesus born and His life, death and resurrection. We look back on it and we can say, God has been incredibly faithful to fulfill His word. What more is there? We have hope. And our hope is confident and we wait in expectation for what is next because hope does not disappoint. There is still more mystery for us to discover. And it's all wrapped up in a baby born in a manger. It's a mystery. Mystery. Here's some final lessons for us to prepare us for the rest of Advent season and Christmas. Number one, prepare yourself for Advent. Prepare yourself for Christmas. If I were to ask you, are you ready for Christmas? What's the first thing you think of? Most people would say, well, let's see, am I ready? Um, Got my shopping done? Got my decorations up? Got my baking done? Yeah, I'm ready. But that's not what we're talking about. The line to the great hymn, Joy to the World, let every heart prepare him room. Your heart. Room for Messiah, room for him to live in you, room for for you to grow in an understanding of him. We prepare our hearts as well as our houses But sometimes we prepare the house and we forget to prepare the heart. 
in the end, it's not about preparing for a one-day holiday because what's going to happen to that holiday? December 26 comes, and it's over with. Preparing for Advent, preparing for Christmas is preparing for the rest of our life, preparing that Christ is coming again because we're looking back on the first Advent and we should be looking forward to the second Advent and we should be preparing ourselves. We should be preparing ourselves for that day. The next four weeks should be a time, I think, of accelerated growth as a Christian, growing deeper in the mysteries of Christ going further up and further in into our relationship with Him. And to help you with that, I encourage you the next, between now and Christmas, read Luke 1 and 2. Read Luke chapters 1 and 2. Read them repeatedly and look at the mystery and look at the plan and look at the wisdom and look at the story that God unfolds for you, for us, all that He has prepared for you that you might have eyes to see and ears to hear, to imagine and to, to adopt all the blessings that are yours. Second of all, be the light that shines in darkness. Isaiah 9 says, the people have seen a great light. But you know what Jesus says? You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Yes, of course, Jesus fulfilled. He was the light of the world and he he fulfilled that. But then he went away and he's given us the task. We have the stewardship of being that light now because Christ lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us and we are to let that light shine before our neighbors and the world Do we live in a dark world? Yes. Seems like it's getting darker and darker. It's like the uh, dimmer switch. Someone is just turning it down slowly, slowly and slowly. And the world seems to be getting darker and darker and darker. Let your light shine. The light of the gospel. So pray for people that need the light, that need hope. Maybe they're co-workers, maybe they're friends from years ago you went to high school with, and you've never even seen them for years. Pray for people that need Christ, and pray for opportunities with your neighbors. We have testimonies every Sunday. We're going to hear from people about what God is doing in their life. And this is a wonderful thing. But in many ways, they're preaching to the choir, are they not? We expect this, that, oh, how wonderful what God is doing, and I want to denigrate that in any way, but all of us should be sharing our testimony and the hope that is within us everywhere we go and pray for those opportunities. Pray for just little opportunities to tell someone about, hey, I believe in Christ. This is why I celebrate Christmas. It might be a conversation opener, but that is a brief testimony of Christ. Third, dedicate your family to giving as you have received. Dedicate your family to giving as you have received. Jesus said, from everyone who has been given much, much will be required. How how much have we been given? Eye has not seen, 
ear has not heard. We haven't even imagined. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He has given us much and he requires that we give back so much of Christmas for children. And I understand that this is the cultural holiday of Christmas. And I think it's great fun to celebrate Santa and all of those. But but just think about it. And I think you'll agree with me. Much of what Christmas has for children is about me. Isn't it? What do you want for Christmas? What are you going to get? I want this. I'm going to get this. And we, we create these expectations of all that they're going to get. Where Christ also said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you want your children to, to understand what true joy is? And what blessings are? That giving is part of the Christian life? So find a way to teach your children to give. Set aside some resources, maybe a day during um, Advent, maybe some money, maybe some of their, their, um, their allowance money, or maybe you have some money you've been saving for something else, and you're going to tell your children, hey, we're going to take that $300, and we're going to pray for someone. We're going to pray that God would bring someone into our life that we can give them a day of work, or we can give them that hundreds of dollars, or that $30, or that $15, because we want to learn to give. Pray for God to show your family someone who needs your help. Number two, someone who needs hope. And number three, someone who needs the light of the mysterious manger. If you get your kids involved in praying for something like that, guess what's going to happen? They're going to go, Mom, guess what? This is it. This is what we've been praying for. We met this guy at the store. God will answer that prayer. I am sure of it. You can do it with your your grandkids, or if you have kids, do it with them. But we want to make Advent and Christmas a time to give rather than just a time to receive. Because we have been given the greatest gift of all.